Welcome back to High Kicks, uh, second episode. It's going to be a little bit different this time. Uh, Carl's currently in quarantine after a little bit of a COVID exposure, and we only have one microphone good enough to produce the audio needed, so I'm going to be rolling solo today. Um, let's see how it goes. Before we get into this weekend's Premier League action, I just want to give a shout-out to Vivian Medema of the National Women's Soccer League. She plays for Arsenal, and this weekend she became the NWSL's all-time leading scorer with her 50th goal in just her 50th game. And 50 goals in 50 games is an incredible achievement within its own right, and Vivienne's only 24 years old, so she has a bright future ahead of her for not only the Gunners, but for the Dutch national team as well. So I'm just looking forward to seeing what she can do for the rest of her career. It's going to be a great, great thing to watch. So the biggest game of the Premier League weekend was the Merseyside Derby between Everton and Liverpool. And it was a scrappy game, very, very physical game. Two injuries, Virgil van Dijk tore his ACL and Thiago Alcantara left the game with an injury. But before we get into that, just to break down a little bit of the play, Liverpool passed the ball very, very cleanly in the beginning of the game. They had a lot of great combination play. Thiago is still new, but you can see how he's dictating play from the back and how everybody's able to push a little bit forward because he has that creative prowess that they lacked before he arrived. Andy Robertson's ability to get up the left flank and play the ball across is just a joy to watch, and watching Mane blast that ball by Pickford was also a joy to watch. But from the other side, uh, when you look at Everton, they are they are just scary. Ancelotti's doing a very, very good job. That midfield with Decorier and Allen is able to create chances and control tempo and just dictate the game they want to play. It took them a little bit. Liverpool dominated for a while, but Everton kind of turned that around. And I'm a big fan of the play of James on the right wing. He does kind of sit back and Richardson and Calvert-Lewin kind of take on more of a striker, like a two tandem striker role than their positioned um, center forward and left wing. But it works. And Calvert-Lewin has been in golden boot type form. He's scoring left and right. They're just exciting. And they're top of the table for a reason. And as far as uh, Pickford's play early on in the game, when he took out Van Dyke and injured him. Um, from the goalkeeper perspective, it, it's very unfortunate to see a play like that happen. However, in my own personal opinion, it looked like he did everything right positionally. He made himself big, he dropped his leg, he put his other leg behind him to block the ball in case it went through. He just ended up not getting the ball, and he ended up injuring one of the consensus best players in the world. So I, I'm i not going to vilify Pickford for his actions. I think from the goalkeeper perspective and his bodily movements, he did everything right. It just had a horrific outcome. Wishing Virgil van Dijk a speedy recovery because you never want to see anybody suffer through that. And here's to hoping that it doesn't damage Liverpool season too much. I want to move on to the Manchester United game. They bounced back a little bit this week. They had a 4-1 drilling of Newcastle. Luke Shaw scored an own goal 
So they didn't really let up a goal from Newcastle. You can take that with what you want. Um, Carl would probably be making some kind of Luke Shaw joke right now, but it's not really my my place to go. I'm not going to really be too biased. You can roast your own team, but I'm not going to roast his while he's not here. Bruno missed a pen. I think that's the biggest news coming out of that game. Not for real, but Bruno Fernandez did miss a penalty. I think United are going to get back on track. I, I think that they're at a slow start, and I think it's just going to take them a little bit. Alex Tellis made his debut yesterday against PSG, and that, that by the way, the fact that they won that game, we both, after talking on the phone the other day, we were not expecting that. Um, David De Gea looked like he was his vintage self yesterday. That save when he denied Mbappe, when Mbappe made his defenders look like nothing. So our talks about Dean Henderson replacing him look like they're a little bit further down the road because De Gea looks like he's playing well. Alex Tellez making his debut yesterday was huge because, as mentioned, Luke Shaw scored an own goal against Newcastle, and you don't want that. So Tellez is going to be replacing him. I do want to jump over to the two teams that squandered very large leads in the Premier League this week. I want to start first with Tottenham Hotspur and their game against West Ham United. Uh, Hotspur, they jumped out to a very, very fast 3-0 lead after 16 minutes with two goals by Harry Kane, one goal by Hongmin Sun. Um... And Loki Sergio Regulon has been one of the signings of the summer. He assisted Harry Kane, and he's he's really solidified that, that left-back position for Spurs while also adding another attacking element. But it was kind of disheartening to see a Jose Mourinho-led team whose who's, Jose's teams are typically defensive stalwarts, and it's sometimes very difficult to get goals by them just completely fall apart, letting in three goals after the 82nd minute, except you can't do anything about that third goal. Manuel Lanzini hit a worldie, an absolute stunner. I think Yuri's had no idea what hit him. He got a hand on it, and it still just went picturesque into that top corner. Spurs are very, very, very confusing right now. They, they beat United 6-1. They they blow a 3-0 lead against West Ham. We got a lot of time. It's going to be interesting to see where they end up. The other team that squandered a lead is Chelsea. They went up 2-0 against Southampton after 30 minutes. That game became 2-1, so not as bad as a 3-0 and blow it. And then that game actually became tied at 2-2, so Southampton brought it all the way back just for Kai Havertz at the 59th minute to put it up one. For Chelsea, and before I get into how the game ended, it's it's scary to see Werner and Havertz connecting with each other for this team and playing well with that that German and club. What's the word I'm looking for? Compatibility, chemistry. That's the word. Their chemistry is just through the roof, and it's going to spread to the rest of the team. And they're also, like like Tottenham, you just don't really know what they are yet. So that's going to be exciting to see in the future. I want to talk, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Aston Villa. They beat, they beat Leicester 1-0 this weekend. 
Aston Villa has blown me away this year. They're undefeated. They're one of two perfect teams in the top five leagues in Europe. They share that mantle with um, AC Milan of Syria. And these wins haven't been lucky. They've played four games. They have a plus 10 goal differential. Jack Grealish is commanding the game however he wants, however he sees fit. He's able to do whatever he wants with the ball, whenever he wants with the ball. And the signing of Ollie Watkins has sharpened up their attack. Ross Barkley coming over has sharpened up their midfield. They, they're a good team, and Tyrone Mings is solidifying himself as a center back, but but their their biggest thing that I've noticed, and it it does I think a little bit come down to the position I played and where I look. But the signing of Emmy Martinez from Arsenal has absolutely transformed this team. He gives the outfield confidence. He gives the defense confidence. He gives the goal scorers and the attackers confidence that they can take their chances, and it doesn't have to be perfect because. Emmy Martinez can keep them in a game. They don't have to convert everything like they used to because they have a reliable shot stopper. They're they're much more balanced just because he has arrived. They've played four games. He has three clean sheets. The only two goals that they have allowed have been Mohamed Salah scoring against them for Liverpool in a game that they won 7-2. to two. I thought they were going to be in the relegation picture heading into this season, but I could see them finishing in the top half. And for a big club like Aston Villa that has been struggling in recent years, it would be something that's huge for them. And I'm really excited to see what they do. I questioned why Jack Grealish signed that five-year contract this summer. I am not questioning why Jack Rowlish signed that contract anymore. They look real. They look really, really, really good. I did skip over the Man City Arsenal game. It was kind of your standard big six versus uh, big six outing. Raheem Sterling scored the winner in the 23rd. It was a nice put-back, tap-in kind of goal. His positioning is immaculate. He always seems to be in the right place at the right time. And he he just scores goals. You can see that right place, right time mentality, or not mentality, but just innate ability rubbing off on the players around him. As Phil Foden, who's very young at just 20, seems to already have a knack for just being there, knowing where the rebound's going to go, and just being able to clean up the mess that City's devastating attack can put in. They're, they're still their city. They're a great club. They're a great team everywhere on the pitch. It's going to be interesting to see how Ruben Diaz develops because for a team that spends its money really well on midfielders and spends its money really, really well on attackers, they haven't done a very, very good job in bringing in defenders as of late. I want to wrap up the Premier League talk with just a little... um little brief talk about the Leeds-Wolves game. Wolves needed a win, and Leeds kind of finally showed, or not showed, but they came down to earth. 
that that offense finally slowed down a little bit. And credit to Wolves for slowing them down. Uh, Nuno is brilliant at what he's done with that team, bringing them up from the championship. And now they're... Not now they're... Since coming up from the championship, they've been a dangerous Premier League opponent who's had top-half finishes in both their years. But the Leeds game was interesting. Um, I, I finally saw Luke Ayling and Calvin Phillips. It looked like they, they, they felt that Premier League pressure... And they they cracked a little bit. It looked like they were trying to do a little bit too much. But then again, I'm not there. I'm not part of their tactics. Maybe that's how they were supposed to be playing it. It also seemed like Wolves knew what was coming. Calvin Phillips had a blanket around him in that midfield. It was just a nice game to look at as two of the most exciting promotion teams in the last couple years. And it kind of shows that a little bit of Premier League experience pays off as Wolves came out with a 1-0 win. I do want to talk Champions League a little bit. Um, we do focus more on the Premier League here, but Champions League match day one kicked off yesterday, and there were some very, very good games. As I already mentioned, uh, Paris Saint-Germain fell at home to Manchester United, which was a result that was not really expected. Barcelona had two 17-year-olds score in a Champions League game, and that's just insane. Ansu Fati scores in the 42nd, gets subbed off for Pedri. Pedri scores in the 82nd. Looks like La Masia is back to producing some, some top-level talent, so let's see if Barcelona can turn it around. Alvaro Morata helped Juventus to a 2-0 win with a brace against Dynamo Kiev, which was expected. Uh, Lazio ran over Borussia Dortmund, which... Not really expected. I, I thought that was going to be a closer game. Holland kind of got a goal that looked like Dortmund was back in it in the 71st. And then Lazio was like, nope. And they scored five minutes later to put the game on ice. 3-1. There's a long way to go, though, in the Champions League group stage with five more matches. So Dortmund shouldn't be too worried. Liverpool travel to Amsterdam to take on Ajax today as the Champions League continues, and I'm excited for that game. I, I think it's going to be really exciting. I think there could be a lot of goals. Liverpool are lacking in defense a little bit, and Ajax always have a new batch of young, talented players coming out, so I'm really excited to see that. I'm excited to see how Andre Anana deals with Liverpool's front three. Should be exciting, but no game today is is more entertaining, or I guess more entertaining is not, not the right word because it hasn't happened yet, but more hype-worthy than when Hansi Flick and Bayern host Diego Simeon and Atletico because you have a team that is in its culture, in its nature, in its root, down your throat, attacking, fast-paced against a team that is traditionally known as being a brick wall in defense. And it's going to be interesting to see how it turns out on a soccer field because when you see it in other games, um, in other sports, a lot of the times the defense comes out on top. I really don't know what to expect from this game. Nabry's not playing after a positive COVID test. But Bayern have a lot of options. 
looks like Kingsley Komen and Douglas Costa are going to be filling in on the wings. But that the addition of Luis Suarez to Atletico also gives them that offensive push alongside Jao Felix that they didn't necessarily have. So I want, I want to see what happens with this team against a team of Bayern's caliber. I'm, I'm really, really excited to watch this game. I think I'm going to have to go two screens, one on my computer and one on my TV with an HDMI cord just so I can watch Liverpool and Bayern. This episode uh, has been a little bit shorter because obviously I'm just doing some breakdown and more personal conversation because I don't have my co-host with me. We can't go back and forth. But before we go, I started the cast by giving a shout out to Vivian Mudema, but I also want to give a shout out to the U.S. Women's National Team members who have come over to England and signed and have been playing in the NWSL. But most notably, Tobin Heath and Kristen Press who, after they got announced as Manchester United players, their jersey sales topped the club for three days. They outsold Bruno, they outsold Pogba, they outsold everybody for three days, which it's great to see that the fans of one of the biggest clubs in the world are taking notice of the women's game. And I'm excited to see what they do over there as well, and I'm excited to see the women's game grow. So hopefully next week we're all back to normal with uh, me and Carl and discussion and the jokes and the roasting, but there's a busy week in the Premier League and I just felt like something needed to go out. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I know it was a little weird not having Carl here. Uh, hopefully everything's going to be back to normal next week. Um, hoping that his test comes back negative and... Hoping that we can get everything back to normal. See you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.